Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 259th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing great, Cameron. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, anything new going on with you recently? Yes. Um, we we had a child oh. since the last time I've been here. Wow. So. He is uh, five days old now, so life has entered a new chapter mm-hmm. for me, but it's been good. What's been your favorite part so far? Oh, I don't know. Just, Holding I mean, them. at this point, it's like, the, it's just this organism, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's cute, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's my child and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but it doesn't have much of a personality yet or anything like that, so... You know, just keeping it alive, you know, is, oh, yeah. is really nice and satisfying. But <laughs> I would, I don't know. I would say honestly, uh, the the entire like hospital experience was pretty long. Didn't sleep much. It was a little rough, but um, it was awesome. Honestly, just watching my wife be amazing and like birth a literal child, mm-hmm. and all the nurses and stuff were just incredible. And so that was a really cool experience, kind of just witnessing all of that, just being along for the ride. And um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, that, uh, when Olivia was born, that was like something that I will stick with me forever. It was just like this process happening in front of me mm-hmm. and everybody has their role and everybody yep. knows what they're doing and they were giving me stuff to do. And uh, yeah, really cool. Yeah. Well, we've got some new stuff around here too, Kyle. I got new glasses. Yeah, you look incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You look like you've been getting plenty of sleep, so. I've been trying. Yeah. You, are you catching up now Get, at this point? Getting a little better okay. every day, getting getting a little routine down. Well, the way things are going for us, Andrew will probably start sleeping through the night before Olivia does, because <laughs> oh, we're not to that point yet, and she'll be two at the end of September. That's that's rough. So, yeah. They're all, Anybody they're all in a the, little different. Uh, let us know in the comments, how do you get your child to sleep through the night? I'm all ears at this point. I'll take any suggestions other than, well, I'll take, if you know the right combination of drugs, we'll go that route too. (laughs) She just wants to stay up and do activities or what? I don't know. I think she has lots of dreams and bad dreams sometimes. She'll wake up saying, you know, talking about Mm. Lion King or colors and numbers and whatever she learned that day, wherever we went, she'll wake up talking about it. So I think she's just an active dreamer. Uh, Kyle, Mizzou plays football one week from right now. Mm. You we just gave me like the little butterflies in my tummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited, man. Um, everybody's been putting out their predictions and everything. I feel like we're, I feel like people are doing that early. I almost said, I feel like we're late to that, but it feels like it's early and earlier every year. People are trying to fill that summer content. Oh, people were doing that in like April. I know. I don't really understand it. I just feel like you're just begging to be wrong. I mean, we're going to be wrong on a lot of stuff anyway. Yeah, we're going to nail it though, right? Yeah, we waited until the last minute to gather as much information as possible to hopefully make some kind of educated guess at how this season's going to go. And uh, yeah, so we're going to preview the entire Mizzou football season, give our predictions and... Uh, before we do all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, I do have a little basketball note. 
sorry, gotta get this basketball news in here. Don't be apologizing for that. It's exciting stuff though. And it's Mizzou basketball recruiting is at a level of fun and excitement. We had this level of fun and excitement for like one day when the 2017 recruiting class put, got assembled. But and that was fun. That was very fun. But this seems like it's maybe actually sustainable. This feels and, healthier. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, the news this past week is five-star big man Jaden Quaintance is going to be visiting Mizzou on September 21st. Uh, 6'9", 230-pound post player, originally from Cleveland, now playing at Word of God Christian Academy in North Carolina. He was also originally in the 2025 recruiting class and reclassified to 2024. Um, and he already has two crystal ball predictions or uh, future casts, depending on who you look at, uh, for Mizzou to land him. I mean, yeah, it's wild. I mean, this is like how just these random, maybe unranked players just kind of surface out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, Missouri is interested in this like two-star shooting guard from South Carolina or something. You yeah. like never heard of him. Yeah. This is a five-star, like top 10 player in the class that it's like, oh, by the way, uh, Missouri's interested in this guy. He's probably going to commit soon. And yeah, we're in it with Kentucky. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. That's, I feel like this is, I mean, this is the kind of prospect you have to normally, historically, really for anybody, but especially Missouri, be putting in years and years of of work to be able to even have a shot at landing somebody like this well it sounds like coach gates when he was at cleveland state you know heard about this kid uh playing locally in cleveland Mm. uh, when he was younger and kind of had his eye on him and had made contact and obviously has a lot of connections still in cleveland so that's obviously there's a connection there somewhere and he you know went to uh academy um, now and the reclassifying is another aspect of this that's kind of insane because he will be 17 his freshman year of college and not eligible for the NBA mm. uh, like the John Tay Porter situation where he couldn't have been a one and done even if he wanted to because he wouldn't have been old enough so same situation here for Jaden Quaintance and yeah you meant I forgot to mention five-star player um, and I watched a monster I watched some of his uh, film and it's it's hard because it didn't seem like he was being pushed a whole lot by opposing defenses, but he finishes at the rim with ease, uh, just effortlessly gets up and dunks everything, um, runs the floor well, soft hands, and yeah, still just 16 years old and just uh, kind of dominating. I did watch one game i watched some highlights from one game where his team was playing against um overtime elite like that kind of in between uh college and pro team and they were playing more defense against his team than some of those other games that i saw and that was a little bit more challenging for everybody like they kind of got blown out in that game but that's a much more established older group yeah he was going up against yeah it's like a semi-professional team almost. yeah basically uh so yeah that's super exciting and i just can't get over the fact that this is seemingly how things are going to go for the foreseeable future missouri's sitting with the number three class 
uh, in the recruiting rankings right now. And if things held, you know, comparing their ratings right now to past years, they'd be right around like 20th or so in the final year rankings for last year and the year before. If they landed him, they'd be top 10 in any of the past 10 years, basically. Easily, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to, I mean, I know we're just, we're just talking a little bit of recruiting here. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is the kind of stuff that makes you think that maybe this is wishful thinking, but Dennis Gates is not going to have to go somewhere else to achieve what he wants to do. And he's proving that he can do it at Missouri and he can land anybody and hopefully we'll be able to get anywhere we want to go mm-hmm. on the court. So I don't I know. I feel man. like that's kind of been, that was the attitude like around the Quinn Snyder, Mike Anderson eras where it was like, you get the right guy in here. Mizzou basketball can be right there. Not quite a blue blood, but mm-hmm. like the second tier yeah. of program. Yeah. You, you don't, you may not have to go to a Kentucky or something, uh, something like that. Yeah. to win a national championship or to land the number five player in the country consistently or something like that. And so. then it felt like, though, you know, obviously, Kim Anderson, uh, Frank Haith, and it was just like, wait, are, is this... Who are we? Is this delusional thinking <laughs> yes. now? Are we so far past that actually being the reality? We saw, like, a taste of it under Konzo, and this feels like still early in the process, but it definitely feels like you're exactly right, that just got to keep stacking these recruiting classes and the way that he's able to pull transfers and juco guys on top of traditional recruiting gets me excited now you're getting the butterflies yeah definitely uh he is also visiting kentucky on october 20th so i say let me look at the threat let me look at the mizzou football schedule here september 21st he's visiting mizzou Hopefully that's right after we beat Kansas State. Yeah. And then uh Kentucky he visits on the 20th and Mizzou football is at Kentucky on the 14th. So the the football team has an opportunity to make it uh exciting when he visits both places. All right. That's a perfect transition into football and I realized when we covered the offense and defense, we forgot about the special teams. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, we've got one of the best special teamers in the country in Harrison Mevis, so we got to talk about him. That's true. And also, Cameron, did you know that Missouri has a punting battle? I've heard that, actually. <laughs> Coach Drinkwitz brings that up in pretty much any <laughs> press conference or even, like, SEC media days. It was brought up, like, multiple times, like, this is a, it's, it's a big deal. If nobody asks about it, he's like, "Uh, you guys punting, forgetting about like, anything?" I, yeah, it's like everyone <laughs> wants to hear about the quarterback competitions. Yeah. Like punt, punting is what I want to talk about. Well, uh, do you have any insight on the no. punting competition? Nope. And, and I, I wish you wouldn't have asked because I don't. <laughs> you brought it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're you're right. <laughs> uh, we need somebody who can kick it far with a little bit of hang time. We're never going to have to punt. That's true. We don't need a punter. Yeah. Just go for it. What am I thinking about? Like, I mean, whenever you're playing like NCAA 14 or something and you're, let's say we're playing against each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm scared whenever you're going for it on fourth down. True. Like that's, I mean, you, that's like, you know, 
you're confident. You, yeah. You know, if you're punting, at least you're I, getting the ball back. I do not like it when you're going for it on fourth down. So well, that's true in I real life. I say don't punt. You know, fourth and two, fourth and one, the opposing yeah. team's going for it. Oh, I'm no. terrified. Give me the safer option of just getting the ball back. It's the best way to just break the other team's will. True. So forget about punters we don't need was it. our conclusion. Um, place kickers, though, still important. We need that. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Mevis. I have a fun little stat here for you. The career Mizzou career record for field goals made in a career is currently held by Andrew Baggett with a grand total of 66 field goal makes in his career on 90 attempts. Harrison Mevis is sitting at 62 makes currently in only 73 attempts. I was going to say, I feel like his percentage is probably a lot better than that. Yeah. So uh, there's no reason to ask uh, if you think he's going to break the record. Harrison Mevis will most likely, barring a disaster. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's going to break the record. Only needs four field goal makes to tie it. Five gives him the record. So that's pretty cool. Uh, field goals made in one season. Grant Russell has made, tw- he made 26 field goals in one season. Uh, Harrison Mevis two years ago made 23. So that's kind of an interesting a lot one. of struggles in the red zone. Yeah, that's true. Gotta uh, figure out how to get touchdowns. Man. That's one of those things where you don't necessarily want him to break that record, maybe. Yeah. What do you think? Is he gonna is he gonna get twenty six or more? Is he gonna tie it? Is he gonna break the record? Mm. He had to twenty three makes two years ago and I believe twenty two last year. Sure. Yeah. You're gonna give him twenty seven? Let's give it to him. Wow. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Kyle predicts twenty seven. I'm with you. Yeah, he breaks the record. Uh something that doesn't get talked about as much with kickers is points career points the leader all time for mizzou career points is jeff wolfert you know when he played like the 60s oh kyle you're gonna get flamed for it yeah he was the kicker on the uh like chase daniel oh uh, god jeremy macklin teams that's okay who am i thinking of <laughs> you want to name some players in the 60s <laughs> You just throw out a I, I know that kicker that you're thinking of from the 60s. No. Uh, okay, yeah. Jeff Wolfert, career points, 362. That's field goals count as three, extra points count as one. Uh, Harrison Mevis is at 288 career points. Last year, he had 99. So if he does that again, he's breaking that record too. We sign him up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Harrison Mevis needs one 50-yard or more make to be at the top of the Mizzou career record with seven. He's tied right now for number one with six. Needs one more to break it. Does he make a 50-plus yarder this year? Of course he does. That's all he does. So basically, at the end of this year, it's looking like Harrison Mevis, best kicker in Mizzou history. Yeah. I mean, we kind of think that maybe already just from the, the vibes alone, but he's going to have the stats to prove it. He's probably going to get drafted. Maybe. Uh, only other thing that I wanted to ask you about special teams is you think Luther Burden's going to be returning punts again this year? I hope not, honestly. I hope not. Look at Luther Burden go! Oh, we need him back there for I that. Know, it depends on how bad our offense is because he honestly would just like, he was almost more reliable. That's true. 
running punts back. That's true. I, I kind of feel like it's put just, him back there. Uh, it's just such. I don't know. It kind of scares me. It's just a dangerous job. Maybe uh, maybe someone like Jamal Roberts can step into that role. Yeah, I feel like typically the punt returner is somebody who's not as important. Yeah, on the team as somebody like Uther Burden. But sometimes when you got a guy that can, you just do it. Do it like that. I guess it's only a sophomore. Um. Yeah, maybe we see a younger backup running back or wide receiver back there. But I honestly, I wouldn't mind at all. I wouldn't. I think, honestly, I think it gets a little overblown, like the injury concern when you have a marquee player back there. I'm I'm remembering like Debo Samuel just destroying Missouri and being like the only reason South Carolina won a game against us a few yeah, years Debo ago. Debo Samuel was like incredible, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, Luther Burden could be he could be really good. Yeah, but Debo Samuel was probably one of the best like special teams players. That's in, true. Ever. Yeah, he was special. Uh, let's see here. So that's special teams. We don't know who's going to be punting the ball. Harrison Mevis is going to go down as the greatest ever. Now, let's get into this season preview. Now, um, are there any when you're thinking about this upcoming season? The obvious storylines are there at quarterback, Luther Burden, uh, the question mark at defensive end, um, defensive line in general, perhaps. Is there any other like more under-the-radar storylines that you're paying attention to? Uh, one that came to mind for me is like, I feel like we've definitely just penciled in, everybody has penciled in Mookie Cooper at that wide receiver three. And obviously, I hope that he embraces that and is just a really comes into his own this year and is a valuable contributor but um just because him and theo weiss are a little bit unknown there i'm wondering if at by the the end of the year are we like well actually this guy that we had slated at wide receiver four or five you know commanded targets in a way that we didn't expect that's one thing that i'm kind of thinking of that is a little bit more unknown than maybe we're given credit yeah, I think I'd like to see how they use Makai Miller, too. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a guy that they're going to want to get on the field, and it'll be interesting to see how they use him, especially if Luther Burden's going to be playing in the slot primarily. But I'd say maybe it just positionally, as an underrated thing I'm watching, is maybe just tight end mm-hmm. because I think they're, you know, they've really talked up some of these young guys like Jordan Harris and Brett Norfleet. And traditionally, you're just never putting freshman tight ends out there, especially somebody like Jordan Harris where he hasn't played football that long. Like they didn't even know what position he was going to play whenever, like for a while. I'm just, that's literally never a guy I'm thinking you're going to rely on for the first even two years. But so, you know, there's a little bit of desperation, but also it sounds like those guys are playing really well. So I think that'll be kind of watching those young guys and see if they're able to to make an impact at all this season because we need somebody. And then one update since we last, since we talked about the defense, um, in the scrimmages and stuff, it seems like Darius Robinson is going to be on the outside of the offensive or defensive line. Yeah. Um, What do you think about that? I don't know. It makes me a little bit nervous just because I know that's not his most natural position, but he's super talented. I know he can do it, um, but you know. I think everybody talks about the Chris Jones example um, mm-hmm. for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's obviously naturally kind of a defensive tackle, but they've played him on the outside some in the past, and he just doesn't do it as well. And he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league, but 
just, it's just a different position. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the NFL versus college, so maybe it's a little bit easier to um, play cross-positionally with the, when the competition isn't as good. But I don't know. It makes me a little bit nervous just knowing that he could probably be elite at his natural position. But it, if it does allow for maybe there be a little bit more balance, then maybe it's worth it. It makes me think that his production specifically might be a little bit more matchup dependent than it would have been if he's on the interior where he would kind of it more likely that he would dominate more often from the interior. Whereas I feel like perhaps it could be a situation where he like feasts against the inferior opponents and is more just okay against a better competition. Yeah. Okay, so one week, let's really get into the schedule here. One week from right now, Missouri Tigers will be playing South Dakota in the in the season opener. And uh, I figured how we'll kind of structure this is for each team, I'll give you a little bit of rundown of the main points of their little, you know, this season's uh, biography for them. And then you give me your thoughts on how uh, Missouri matches up and stuff, and then we'll make picks. So South Dakota, three wins last year. They've got a little bit of a pass rush, not much of an offense. Missouri's defense should be able to make plays. My question to you is, obviously we think Tigers win big here. My question to you is, how many quarterbacks do we see from Missouri in this game? First of all, do you like playing a like just a kind of a nobody team the first game of the season how do i think it's kind of bittersweet i agree with that and i think i've said it before but seeing some of the sec schools like alabama specifically that was one thing that jumped out to me about how they make their schedule is they have a big game week one and they put this neutral site or something some marquee matchup uh and then they put this fcs game like week 10 just this absolute cupcake towards the end of the season, like before the Auburn game or something, is like seems like what they like to do. Just use a week to rest the starters before the end of the season or yeah. something, basically. Yeah. So uh, my thoughts on that for Mizzou actually is I'd be okay. Ditch the FCS opponent altogether. Tack Kansas on last game of the year every year. Last game of the year. Last game of the year every year in Kansas City every year. Yeah. If you have to. If you have to compromise like no, or something. Seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I don't know, it's like, it is bittersweet because football's back, mm-hmm. and part of the what's so fun about the first week is just seeing the new faces and seeing the uniforms, you know, the guys in the uniforms again, just whatever, yeah. just feeling like football's back. Those first images of it actually happening. Yes, and just somebody has to score, somebody has to touch the ball, who's it going to be kind of stuff, and so... It's kind of fun to just focus on like specific personnel stuff that we've been wondering about yeah. all off season and not have to truly worry about are we going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would probably be a little bit more exciting if we were playing somebody better. But I think it's fun to just kind of get comfortable playing again and just blow somebody out. But I mean, this is a game I don't I don't like to overreact necessarily to like one game because it's you know, anything can happen in a you know sixty minute game but at the same time if this is not a game that you don't just dominate in every facet of the game i'm a little bit worried Mm -hmm. but let's go back to your question that you asked me like 20 minutes ago i i definitely think 
absolute minimum, we see two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think Brady Cook and Sam Horde will both play 100%. And um, I don't really know how they're going to do it. You know, I don't know if it'll be like Brady gets the first half, Horde gets the second half, or if it'll be more. Um, I kind of think they should at least get a whole quarter maybe to themselves so they can kind of get in the groove. But yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. I let me go ahead and predict that Sam Horn gets or not uh, Sam Horn. Let me predict that uh, Jake Garcia is the third quarterback to enter the game, sure. and it's at the very end. Yeah, for not very long at all. I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see. Um, here's here's maybe a prediction of how I think it might go. Brady Cook's the starter. He, it's all going to be dependent on what he does. I think if he comes out and and like the offense scores a touchdown on their first three drives of the game and into the second quarter, it's just no issues whatsoever. He looks good. Then you just switch to Sam Horn for almost the rest of the game. Jake Car- Garcia comes in at the very end. If I would like that. That personally. would be like perfect, I think. Best case scenario. Yeah. I think if Brady Cook, if the offense is kind of struggling a little bit, then I think you, I think the team will, the coaching staff will go with Brady for maybe like three quarters, and then Sam Horn gets the fourth quarter, and then depending on that, that might influence what happens in Middle Tennessee in the Middle Tennessee game. So I don't really want that to happen. Obviously, we don't want the offense to struggle. And if there was going to be anything go wrong in this matchup with South Dakota, I think it would be. The offense isn't doing exact. They're not. It's not as effortless for the offense as we would like it to be. Yeah, I mean that's what the offense looked like all season last year. Was they were just everything was they were just laboring for every yard, every completion was so difficult. It looked like everything we were doing was just stuck in the mud, and we just cannot look like that. We have to look superior, like superior athletes at every level. We need to be. We need to be seeing plays in this game that you can imagine working against Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina. Because uh, that was something that jumped out to us mm-hmm. last year in against the FCS team. Yeah. It was like, this won't fly in the SEC. For sure. You're just kind of, you're doing stuff that you know you can do because you have better athletes in yeah. this matchup. Yeah. And you Risky don't want to be in that place. Yeah. Yeah, I think, honestly, one of the biggest things I want to see is just the offensive line, like, dominating. Just, yeah. I want to see a good push from the, from the O-line. Yeah, and I want to see like four different running backs get a few carries. Yeah, but I think there's gonna be a, uh, there's gonna be a W. Oh yeah, easy win. Mark it down. Big win. Need the offense to look good. Um, some of these picks will get a little bit harder soon. So week two, uh, we host Middle Tennessee, and uh, last year Middle Tennessee was eight and five, four and four in conference United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, their head coach is in, in in his 18th year with the program. Wow. That's kind of insane. So he's beat Missouri before. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the first thing I thought of, too. Yep, he knows he, how to do it. He was. Uh, were we at that game? I know. Yeah. I, I wasn't, at least. Maybe. I I don't know. That was, a, that was a rough one. Was that our homecoming game that year? I think so. God, that's brutal. Yeah, and it was like a... It was really high scoring. High scoring game. Just yeah. no defense. Yeah. Oof. That Barry Odom defense. Yeah. A little bit about Middle Tennessee. Last year, their offense struggled at times. They have a undersized offensive line, 
even just for Conference USA, not even compared to SEC. Uh, but they bring a lot of experience back on the offensive line. They've got a good running back in Frank Peasant. He had uh, over 700 yards and nine touchdowns last year. They lose their top three wide receivers from last year. Um, they bring back quarterback Nick Batiato. He's okay, but not anything special, in my opinion. Um, he throws a lot of interceptions. That's good for us. Uh, defense allowed 277 yards or more in all but two games last year. But they had 20 total interceptions as a defense. Mm, little so, high risk, high reward. Yeah, potentially. And uh, yeah, they would have definitely not have eight wins if it weren't for all those turnovers. Um, they did get a transfer end, defensive end from Oregon. Uh, they lost one of their better secondary players to UCF. Um, they do have uh, another quarterback who was previously at Michigan and then went to went the JUCO route and now is at Middle Tennessee. Um, but I think they're going to go with the returning player, Nick Vatiato. Mm. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a little bit more... I mean, this could be a slightly tough matchup, and I still expect Missouri to win by two or three touchdowns, and they should. But, yeah, Middle Tennessee, I mean, they're kind of on the same level as, like, Louisiana Tech, who we played last year. In fact, I think Middle Tennessee beat them last year. Um, But ultimately, Missouri's got to take advantage. And I think this will be kind of a good good game to kind of ramp up for Kansas State, which is in week three, where it's like, you know, you're challenging yourself. It's not an FCS team, but hopefully, you know, you're able to just kind of move on from this game quickly and get ready for the next week. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see the secondary go against the offense. I think that they're, they might have a chance to feast a little bit, get some turnovers and stuff against Middle Tennessee State. I definitely don't think that offense really scares you too much, especially with losing all their wide receivers. Yeah. It, I think the, the secondary could really go to town. Yeah, I could see this being one of those games where like the defense, Missouri's defense does everything we want them to, but then there's a couple like big play touchdowns there's like uh would have been better if that didn't happen but that's basically exactly how louisiana tech game went last year was we dominated most of the game offense had some rough moments and the defense gave up a couple of huge plays and stuff but you know for 95 percent of the time they were enforcing their will and this middle tennessee defense should not scare anybody and this should be a game is another one of those where it's like we, we should know a little bit more about the offense here if they score early and often and are not settling for field goals and i think uh, same same game plan i think you play two quarterbacks no matter how the game's going yeah i mean because you don't know what quarterback is going to give you the chance to win the best so i think even if we go down seven to nothing to start the game off you know or whatever you you, you're playing two quarterbacks Mm. to see how they respond yeah i agree with you there we're predicting a win there, though. Missouri starts the season 2-0 and and then hosts Kansas State. That's Obviously, a big one. Yeah, this is a huge game. Obviously, got destroyed in Manhattan last year. That was a weird game. One of the worst games I've ever watched. Pouring down Twice. rain. Yeah. The, uh, the lightning delay. I think Kansas State was a heck of a lot better than people thought, too. Yeah. They, Kansas State ended up being really, really good last Won year. Won the Big 12. Won the Big 12. They went 10-4. and four. Finished as number 16 team in the country. Honestly, I think they were better than that. 
they played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. They didn't win, but any anytime you're playing Alabama mm-hmm. in a major bowl game, you had a great year. Yeah, and they're starting the season ranked this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just so annoying because they're just so fundamentally sound yeah. in every aspect of the game. Yeah. And that's so frustrating to play against because and a lot of senior, like they have a lot of experience. That's I mean, they're kind of that that build that Missouri should be kind of striving for. Sometimes maybe I mean Missouri's getting the recruits that they that they maybe don't need to kind of look towards those juniors and seniors every single year. But Kansas State is doing that where yeah. they are heavily relying on these older, like grown men to. <laughs> you know, to play on the offensive line and that kind of stuff. And that's really tough to, to go against when you're 18, 19 years old. They have an excellent offensive line, and um, that's like the core of their offense is that offensive line that allows them to be almost perfectly balanced. Last year, they almost ran exactly the same number of pass plays as run plays, almost a perfect 50-50 split. Now, a lot of that rushing last year depended on not only Deuce Vaughn, who is now a cowboy, but also Adrian Martinez ran the ball a lot. And so he actually didn't play the entire season, was kind of dinged up towards the end of the season. But with those two guys gone, that will change the offense a little bit. Uh, They bring in Will Howard, who's been in the program his entire career. And he is very much more of the statue in the pocket passer at 6'5", 235. In uh, seven games last year, he had 15 touchdowns and four interceptions. Um, So I think they're, honestly, I was listening to a Kansas State podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and they're kind of going all in on this Kansas State offense. They're talking about, now, passing records at Kansas State are a little (laughs) bit different than passing records uh, elsewhere, including Mizzou, but they're talking about this offense breaking records this year. In really? the passing game specifically, okay. So, I think they're there's they're being a little overzealous. They got a little main it's, character syndrome, maybe. Maybe and they're feeling good about last year's performance. Yes, they should. But uh, you know, they're re- replacing some important pieces. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean they're returning at least three of their offensive linemen from last year. They're gonna be they're gonna be good. There's no way around that. But honestly, Deuce Vaughn was one of the most productive running backs like college running backs i mean i've seen ever yeah he was especially like bar none but especially at his size yes insane oh yeah he's actually like five five it looks like a child running around out there but he's incredible (laughs) he's so talented and i'm thinking that i mean there's no way around the offensive line they're gonna be good but there's no way around losing deuce vaughn either and i just don't think you can replace him and he was kind of what made their offense so incredibly dangerous so yeah they'll still be good but anytime you you lose a player like deuce vaughn there's just it's incredibly difficult to replace that uh on defense they did lose first round draft pick uh defensive lineman felix uzoma you ever heard of him yeah i have you're a fan of you, him. you only attempted half his name that's true uh yeah he he was a first round pick plays for the chiefs now and yeah he was an incredible pass rusher great great defensive end and it'll be nice to not have to play against him again uh they do they return eight starters on offense five on defense so there's definitely been some turn turnover there they've brought in some transfers to shore things up but really you can't at this point they've got their system established you can't expect them to do anything other than plug in guys who are going to be well coached fundamentally sound 
and not not they're not going to beat themselves. They're not yeah. going to make too many mistakes. What we have to hope for, I think, is for them to be vanilla vanilla enough on offense that um, our defense is able to slow them down. And on offense, we have to be able to make big plays and not settle for field goals. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see who's playing quarterback for this game. And I don't know, man. I guess I'll just go into it. Like I, And maybe uh, let me know if I'm just being a little emotional based on how we played last year against them because I think I'm a little bit emotionally damaged from what I witnessed. Yeah. And I mean, it was like we, we were playing the 85 Bears. Yeah. On, I mean, they were just, they played an absolutely flawless game. And I think part of that may have just been, you know, the awful weather going into a, a, a new environment and them being so much better than I think we were giving them credit for. I think they just kind of came out and hit us in the mouth and we didn't know what to do. And, you know, they, you mentioned that, you know, their discipline and how well coached they are, how old they are. Um, this is just an, inc- this is going to be such an incredibly difficult game to win. And I'm afraid that so far in the Drinkwitz era, discipline is the thing that we do not have and it, that we haven't had it. And maybe that changes this year, but we haven't looked cohesive. We haven't looked well coached. We have talent on the field that's not living up to the talent that we, that we think it is. And until I see it, yeah. I'm not sure I believe it. And at least in a game like this, where it means so much, I'm 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 really scared that we're not going to be able to pull it out. That is that you said it though. Uh, not having seen it yet, and knowing what Kansas State is supposed to be coming off a year where they did exactly what they're trying to do just completely maximized everything that they had yeah you're, it, it just it's tough for me to make a bet against a good team when, when it's something i just haven't seen well i'm gonna be watching them early in the season oh for sure me too so much uh and yeah, obviously maybe. we'll have different things to say potentially yeah. when this game actually gets here depending yep. on how both teams look and that's going to be a theme uh, throughout this is we we probably already spent too much time talking about this Kansas State game because, but it is week three. It's so important. Some of these other games, honestly, they're so late, so much later in the season that, and there's so many unknowns we that we're gonna have know. to watch them play. Yeah, you know, four or five games to really know what's going on. But I think I have to pencil this one in as a loss until I I see it. Even thinking it's a loss, I see it being a very close game. And it's going to be one of those where, like, Missouri will just do the dumbest thing you've ever seen, potentially, to lose this game when it was winnable. Uh, That's kind of how I see it going right now, is it's neck and neck, but we're the ones that make the back-breaking mistake when Kansas State refuses to do that. Yep. Now, by the time the game gets here, maybe their new quarterback isn't everything they think he'll be. And maybe Missouri's offense has shown, no, you can trust us this year. We're going to actually put up points. Yeah. And then that's a different conversation. Yeah. But I think until we see that, I got to pencil it in as a loss. Yeah. And Will Howard played well last year. And Adrian Martinez got hurt and Will Howard kind of finished out the season for him. So he's, he's a seasoned veteran. He's a, he's a senior, he's a good player. And yep, I agree with you. I think 
in this moment, I got to say that's probably a loss if I'm being completely honest. And, and that trying, hurts so bad to do. It does. And people are going to be frustrated people about are, that. But. People are going to be mad. Yeah. And that's fine. And I'm just trying to look at this through the most unbiased way possible. But uh, And I totally understand the magnitude of this game because I think just being on Twitter and kind of the fan base is going at it a little bit. And it just, there. I want nothing more than to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We'll see you. See you in three weeks, and we'll yeah. maybe I hope that we have a little something different to say than just repeating all that. Yeah, and one other little quick note, not a spoiler alert for our next couple of games here, but if we can get past Kansas State somehow, it sets up for a potentially massive game against LSU yeah. a couple of games later. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to Memphis. That game is being played in St. Louis. Super cool. Yeah. Love that. We'll do that as much as possible. What's, the old, what's the old dome called now? The, it's not the Edward Jones anymore. No. Uh, Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. The Dome. It's just called the Dome at America Center, maybe. Okay. That's what it was for a while. That is correct. Thank you. Thank you. The Dome at America Center. Um, Very cool. Play Illinois there every season, please. That's what I say. You bought those regional rivalries. I huh? want them so bad. Why not? Uh, last year, Memphis was 7-6, and 3-5 and five in the American Athletic Conference. Um, they have a good quarterback in Seth Harrigan, uh, 47 touchdowns to 16 interceptions in his career. Only a junior, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they basically have to replace all of their wide receiver production from last year and last year, and it's expected this year, they had a bit of a questionable offensive line, but really good running backs that kind of had to make something out of nothing a lot. Um, defensively, they, uh, have a pretty reliable pass rush last year, but, um, sorry, they didn't have a reliable pass rush, but they made up for it with 22 turnovers forced. So that's going to be something to watch. We got to protect the ball. Uh, last year, the quarterback had 3,500 yards on 64% completion, 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So solid season last year. Yeah, you know, Memphis, the the way they've played the last few years, they kind of have taken on the, the stereotype of kind of an explosive offense, maybe a little soft on defense. That's kind of how, how they were when we you know, they, they came to Columbia during the Drew Locke era. I think that was maybe 2018 or something like that. Very similar thing. They were explosive on offense. Didn't really matter because their defense was, was pretty bad. But they've kind of had some sneaky, great, like good NFL players too the yeah. last few years. Especially so, at running back. Yeah, yeah. They've had some good players come through there, and I, I would kind of expect them to look similarly this year. A uh, big addition to them in the offseason, Towski Dove, former Missouri oh, yeah. Tiger, now wide receiver for Memphis. Yeah, it's a good fit for him. Um, you brought up a good point recently about some of these guys that have transferred out of the program, out of Missouri's program, to some of these like group of five uh, spots where they can be a starter right away and you were mentioning on discord that that's like a good thing to see in moderation right from yeah. the, the football program yeah solid players who made their contributions at missouri but it's um we've kind of moved on to a little bit more talent and you know thank you for what you did and yeah and go be a starter at just a, a step down yeah so definitely one of those situations here um they uh, memphis defense they're, they did a really good job last year at not giving up big plays, uh, but 
teams could kind of just methodically move down the field on them. And uh, they, in conference play, they were able to help hold some teams to field goals more. But uh, I think Missouri should be okay and should be able to get in the end zone um, whenever they want for the most part. Um, they do have a really good edge rusher in Jalen Allen. Uh, he had five sacks last year, 11 total tackles for loss. Uh, but I do feel like this is a game where Missouri's passing game should be looking to stretch the field vertically and um, try to make some big, manufacture some big plays and not settle for, you know, underneath stuff um, that's going to get blown up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Wasn't this a game that was originally at Memphis? Yeah, yeah. This and was supposed they... to be the return uh, of a home and home. Yeah. And great idea. Negotiated the uh, situation up to St. Louis. So cool too. I mean, just a kind of a unique thing. Yeah. But yeah, Memphis is probably like, hey, we should have played both games in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, probably. They probably weren't too happy about that. Uh, they probably uh, they probably got bought out of that. Yeah, their uh, home yeah, match. Somebody was happy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Missouri's got to take advantage. Of, just another game to kind of tune up the offense and get ready for SEC play. And it's got to be a win. Got to be a win. No, don't want to see any scary surprises here. Um, if it's a game in the first half, no big deal. But honestly, I want to see a bigger win against Memphis than Middle Tennessee. I want to see some progress. Uh, unless we just come out of the gates on fire on offense. And I would assume that whoever the quarterback is going to be is probably playing the full game at this point. Yeah. Yeah, going into SEC play, we got to have that figured out. So Missouri in the non-conference schedule, we have them three and one, traveling to Vanderbilt, and this is the point where I wanted to mention this schedule construction is really fantastic. The first five games here, FCS opponent, group of five at home, a big rival, top twenty-five team at home, neutral site team that you're supposed to beat, yeah. and then you go on the road. Two oh, very winnable game at Vanderbilt. These first five games set up really nicely for Missouri to have a good start to the season. I agree. That's something that we haven't seen much in recent years. We usually fumble that away somehow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having that momentum into the middle of the season is going to be pretty big. So let's look at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, five and seven last year, two and six in the SEC. Um, quarterback Mike Wright is, has left to Mississippi State, but. Even before he left, they switched and gave the keys to the offense to A.J. Swan. Uh, so he returns as a starter. He was true freshman last year, I think. So not a whole lot of experience for him. But in his seven starts last year, he completed 58% of his passes for 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Wow. And he even got banged up a little bit later. Mike Wright had to come back in a little bit. It was kind of a weird situation there. I'm kind of happy to see uh, Mike Wright moving on to someone we're not going to play because he always seemed to have our number a little bit. Seriously, it's like uh, these dual-threat quarterbacks, and uh, like the best thing you can see from a Missouri standpoint is those guys leaving and like a statue pocket passer taking their place. <laughs> exactly. Um, star running back Ray Davis, he left to Kentucky, of all places, which is kind of bizarre to me considering uh, Vanderbilt beat Kentucky last year. Wow. Weird. Uh, but I think I was listening to some SEC podcasts and stuff. Uh, they're kind of liking Vanderbilt to maybe take a step forward on offense with an improved offensive line. But 
they can't get much worse. That's true. And Actually, five and seven's like, like in bowl territory is probably like a pretty decent season for well, Vanderbilt. Even more than that, two SEC wins. I mean, they job. spent a little while there just not winning conference games. Yeah. So I think they beat uh, South Carolina in addition to. I don't remember, Kentucky? but it sounds like so South, something South Carolina would do. Yeah, they they South Carolina destroyed Tennessee, but also lose to Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, they Vanderbilt had the 94th ranked defense last year, um, and they are replacing a lot of guys. So it's going to be a little bit of a question mark if they replace the same caliber guys. Missouri's offense shouldn't really have a problem, but gave us a little bit of a scare last year. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those games where. And it's on the road. You got to pencil this in as a win. Yeah. But again, it's going to so much of this season and our comfort in some of these winnable games yeah. is going to come down to how is the offense looking in these first four? Yeah. There's really not much to say about Vanderbilt just because we don't really know who they're going to be yet. They have so much to replace and in key positions. But um, I think this might be a team that we have more to say about when it's time to play them. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be able to watch them this weekend. I think they have a game against Hawaii. Yeah. So we'll get a, a look at Vanderbilt very quickly. Here. Remember last year they destroyed Hawaii and I was like, watch out for Vanderbilt. Oh yeah. <laughs> you were like on, you were on board the train after, after that game. You're picking I, them like every week. You I'm telling them to you beat Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I'm telling you though, two wins in the SEC. That's a, uh, that's a lot better than zero, it's, which is where they were at for a little while. It is. You can't deny that. So we're putting ourselves down for a win. Have you seen the stuff about Vanderbilt's like stadium uh, renovations oh, and stuff? Yeah, like they, how it's just like the one side is just like gone, and, and it's, it's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Yeah, they're literally going to be playing in a high school stadium. I'm pretty. I sure. I don't know much about it, but I've seen people just making fun of it online a little bit because yeah, it's just not ready. It's not progressing, and it's just yes, it's their stadium probably seats like twenty five thousand right now. <laughs> Yikes! It's like a high school in texas i think they they actually are gonna have to play not at their home stadium at, like in the first week maybe really? which they went going to, to hawaii I, I think they went to hawaii last year you'd think we would know this well you think they would just go to hawaii both times well i don't think you're supposed to be traveling to hawaii right now that's true so they can't play either place <laughs> you have to play in the dome at st louis maybe so <laughs> all right we're putting ourselves down for a win and uh going to feel real silly how much we're laughing right now if missouri loses to vanderbilt i'm pretty sure there was a couple years ago where we were playing vanderbilt and we preview the team of course every week when we're about to play them on the podcast and we were like hey we're gonna beat vanderbilt we don't even need to preview it like we barely spoke about the game and then we lost but you know what that was cool 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 that was different that was a different era yeah cool cool cool. yeah thanks for bringing that up Vanderbilt. We respect Vanderbilt now. Absolutely. We'll respect them a lot more when it's uh, the end of September. And they beat Hawaii. Yep. All right. So now Missouri is 4-1 and one and hosting potentially a top five team. They're, they're number five in the preseason polls. The LSU Tigers come to town. Last time that happened, Missouri won in dramatic fashion. Uh, LSU was coming off that national championship, one of the best teams ever. And Ed Orgeron was done coaching. And so Missouri um, played LSU at the right time. He was ready for something else. He was ready to move on. We didn't know it quite yet, but then, you know, losing to Missouri, people kind of started to clue in. It's a good way to find your way out. Yeah. So 
let's say four and one lost a close heartbreaker to Kansas State. We're probably not ranked. Maybe we're, so. maybe we're receiving votes, but, but probably not even. So that takes a little bit of the shine off this LSU game now. Undefeated going to the LSU, knocked off top 25 team. Then they definitely are going to squeeze us into that 25 oh, yeah. spot so yeah. they can have two ranked teams play each other. Absolutely. Um, let me tell you a little bit about LSU. Let me catch up on my notes here. Uh, LSU last year, 10-4, and 6-3 and three in the SEC. Uh, this will be second year for head coach Brian Kelly. Um, four starters back on the offensive line, and they also return Jaden Daniels, if you've not heard of him. He had um, right around 4,000 total yards last year. If you don't include sacks, he had over 1,000 rushing yards. If you include sacks, he had 885 rushing yards. Um, 28 total touchdowns and only three interceptions. Yeah, uh, he transferred from Arizona State. Yeah. Was like a good transfer prospect. Yeah. And then was just elite at LSU. He's a legitimate Heisman hopeful this year, kind of a dual threat guy. He's just going to make it difficult in every play, everything he does. Yeah. And uh, probably should have been a Missouri Tiger. Probably. Uh, Yeah. If he was a Missouri Tiger, we would not be having the quarterback competition slash controversy that we've been having. Um, Yeah. So they do also have two probably future NFL pass catchers in wide receiver Malik Nambers, Neighbors, and tight end Mason Taylor. Uh, Two really good receivers there. Um, I think their offense is going to be very good. I think. Watch That's out. That's going to be a, maybe a little bit of a heavy heavyweight battle, uh, assuming Missouri's defense is as good as we think yeah. they can be. Yeah. Man, imagine. Top 20 offense versus top 20 defense. Imagine this game, man. Two undefeated teams, maybe. Put us in that nighttime slot. Ooh. Yeah, this, this could and, be a really uh, fun game. And we'll be there. We will be there. I, I'll have to double check that we're officially locked into that. <laughs> And that tickets have been secured, but because it sounds like it's pretty high demand, like tickets yeah. are, are going for that. So we will be there, and we will try to organize something uh, tailgate uh, type of thing for that. So, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, maybe you want to try to make that trip to Columbia. Uh, looking at LSU's defense, um, the common theme the rest of the schedule is we're just the SEC is just poaching some of the best defenders. Best if you've got a hole. Just go get one of the best players from another conference to fill it. Uh, they picked up pass rushers from Texas, Oregon, and Arizona in the portal. Um, they have one of the best linebackers in the country in Harold Perkins, and they brought in a bunch of big-time transfers in the secondary as well. Um, I saw Makai Wingo was uh, like second-team preseason All-SEC yeah. or whatever, and I shed a little tear. Yeah, I literally have a frowny face next to his name on my nice. notes. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's now two players that play for LSU that yeah. should probably be Missouri Tigers. Um, and uh, the anchor on the defensive line is uh, Mason Smith. He's very good. Yeah, Wingo there as well. Yikes. Uh, LSU's going to be good, I think. I would. I want so much for Brian Kelly to just flame out at LSU and it just to not work, but it, unfortunately it seems like that's not going to happen. What is Brian Kelly doing that he's just the best coach, apparently, everywhere he goes. Like, he's he's not, not winning a national championship. That's true. That's the only thing he hasn't done yet. He's not likable. Like Everybody wins a national championship at, at LSU, though, right? Everybody? I mean, 
Even less miles? He did. He did. Uh, 07. Nick Saban won one there. Um, Ed Orgeron won one there. So it's only a matter of time, I'm afraid. Ed Orgeron won a, won a title. One of the best teams ever, 15-0. Is Ed Orgeron really like a good coach? I can't even, good imagine, recruiter. I can't good even recruiter. imagine him like coaching anything. He's great in the living room. I Probably. Yeah. Um, one thing about LSU, we will know a lot more. They will have already traveled to Mississippi State and Ole Miss by the time this game rolls around. Um, and I was looking at LSU's road games last year. They played at Auburn, at Florida, at Arkansas, and at Texas A&M. They won three of those, but they only beat Auburn by four, only beat Florida by 10, and only beat Arkansas by three. That game at Arkansas, 13 to 10. And then they lost at A&M, um, 38 to 23. They did beat Alabama, but that was a home game? Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, getting this game at home after they've already had two road games in Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, if Missouri's undefeated, the atmosphere is electric, it's going to be loud no matter what. Yeah. I I have confidence there. I definitely don't think this LSU team is unbeatable by any stretch. Um, They're they're a hot pick to win the West. Yeah. I think it's, I I think it's, uh, this might be, this is a hot take. I think it's possible Jaden Daniels is not as good as he was last year. That's possible. I think he was just so efficient. It was just kind of like a magical season last yeah. year. That I, could we could have seen his ceiling basically. I think we could have. Yeah. And even if we did, that'll still be great. Right. Because they have talent everywhere. And apparently Brian Kelly is just an excellent coach. Yeah. Which angers me. <laughs> but this this could be a really, really memorable night if if Missouri even if Missouri plays well, even if they they, you know, take them to the end. This It could be a very memorable game. Give me a shootout, I say. Give me some offense flying around the field, some unpredictable plays, some turnovers on either side. I just want to see a big play game. I want to see Missouri show up for a marquee matchup and show that they can be competitive. Yep. And that's a defeatist mindset. But <laughs> I am going to pencil this in as a loss at this point. For for this to be flipped to a Missouri win, it was going to have to be, I think, a low-scoring game where LSU's offense is not quite what we, they, we think they could be and where Missouri's offense is every bit of what they could be. Yeah. Then we travel to Kentucky for their homecoming game. They scheduled Missouri for homecoming. And uh, Kentucky last year, 7-6 and six on the season, 3-5 and five in SEC play. Um, obviously Will Levis was pretty banged up, uh, from time to time. They had really bad offensive line play, kind of those two things kind of go hand in hand there. Um, but they bring in Devin Leary, who feels like five years ago, Missouri was in the conversation to land him in the transfer portal as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's tough. Uh, I, I can't imagine, I can't believe that was this past <laughs> off season that weird. we were yeah. in the running for Devin Leary. Like yeah. that's just... Seems like an old name, but it was only probably six-ish months ago. So he just walks in and is definitely the starter there. He uh, pretty fantastic at NC State. He's their career leader in touchdown passes, surpassing one Philip Rivers. Wow. Uh, yeah, 6,800 yards, 62 touchdowns, and only six interceptions in 30 games uh, for NC State. Yeah, this was just like the perfect addition for Kentucky like I was kind of as last year was kind of unfolding and 
you know, Will Levis was not as good as he was his junior season and the offensive line was terrible and it was kind of like looked like an end of an era a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this was maybe like the one thing that maybe kickstarted that back. Like, whoop, not yet. Yeah. And uh, we're, like, we're back. Well, and this seems to be the game plan now. It's like, all right, if we don't have a guy ready to go, then again, if we got a hole, we're just going to grab one of the best players at that position from another conference. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like Devin Leary could have gone to an even better an even better place than Kentucky. He's just a really solid college quarterback. Um, well, there's an argument to be made that he looked at what they were selling and sort of the team they can put around him and was pretty into it because um, they did bring in some transfers on the O-line to help shore things up. Um, they bring in Ray Davis from Vanderbilt. Just <laughs> a wild thing to beat a team and then transfer there. Can beat him and then join him. I guess. Uh they bring all of their top five receivers back from last year. They have elite wide receivers, which they were is not young last year. And not something Kentucky can say very often. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, these guys were pretty young, but still produced last year. And now they're all back. And they brought their OC back. Right. Liam Cohen is back, That's folks. That's maybe the scariest part of the whole thing. Dude's yeah. a, a, great, a great offensive mind. And yeah. he, I think, was kind of what was powering their success two seasons ago when yeah. Will Levis looked like he was about to be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And then he takes a job. He's the uh, he's the offensive coordinator for the Rams last year, the you know, defending national champions. World and, champions even. Well, the world champions. And and somehow he just, just is back at Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little frustrating actually. Yeah, that definitely sucks. Um yeah, just spent one year with uh as OC at the Rams. Um and they bring in one of the best uh northern illinois they're uh fcs or are they like a mac team i think they are mac okay northern illinois transfer offensive tackle marquez cox he is gonna i think he's gonna step in he's being talked about as one of the best uh offensive linemen in the sec having not played a snap yet in the conference they need that yeah um, I think this is going to be a very stressful game for Mizzou fans. It, it's going to be ugly. It feels like one of those games where I'm going to be watching this, and when Mizzou's on defense, I'm going to have this feeling inside me that every Kentucky play is going to go for a touchdown. Like that, I don't know why. Sometimes teams do that to me where I'm like just on the edge of my seat thinking the worst thing is going to happen at every moment, and then it's just a huge relief when we just, you know, don't let them score a touchdown. I get that feeling whenever the opposing team's quarterback is like, th- let's go of the ball. Yeah. I'm just like, well, there's a touchdown. Like, there, <laughs> right. that's, there's a big completion. Right. Like, and the I ball feel like, is like in the air. I like, feel like that's going to be me yeah. every snap of this Kentucky game. Okay. All right. The only thing that's going to make a difference is if their O-line is bad again. I, I think, think it will be. Okay. I, I mean, it may be improved, but yeah. it was horrible yeah. last year. And it gave Missouri every chance to win that game solely yeah. because... You don't even get me started on last year. <laughs> Missouri was able to... Uh, get in there yeah i mean I, yeah. missouri's basically cursed whenever they play kentucky like yeah. we just cannot figure them out for some reason uh kentucky will be coming off a road matchup against georgia so maybe they'll be a little beat up and uh maybe they'll have their spirits wow you're hoping for injuries destroyed <laughs> no i didn't say <laughs> hoping i say you know that's the type of thing that happens sometimes you just get sore when you play good teams exactly they're gonna be you know fighting their hardest against georgia on the road and uh they're gonna want to take the night off against mizzou even though it's homecoming uh, never mind anyway battle line missouri got got a chance here they got it so what are you thinking yeah this is a this is um 
just a, a 50-50 flip for me. Uh, is it's, Kentucky the Kansas State of the SEC? Yeah. It, it basically, I mean, just in the way that this is kind of a must-win game or just the fact that they're kind of like well-coached and just like hard-nosed yeah, team. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that a little bit. Um, they do seem to be, uh, at least the last few years, they, they've definitely kind of been that hard-nosed, well-coached team and... But man, if Missouri's going to get to where they want to go this year, this just has to be a game that they win. And it I agree with you. It's kind of tough to see a win here. Um and I'm afraid if I say a loss here, I'm not sure where that puts me in my predictions for the rest. Like I don't know where that I mean, we might be capping out at 7 wins if I say this is a loss. That would be loss number 3 if you pencil that one in as a loss. Oh man. Okay. I think I think Missouri's going to exercise some demons then. I think I think they're going to figure it out. This <laughs> that, is the year. That moment. Okay. Like oh, I, okay, I, it's I, told a win, my, I told myself a little story. <laughs> I think it's a win. They get they they're going to figure it out this year. They they've got they've got the horses to do it. They're going to ruin homecoming for for Kentucky. I'll be the bad guy. All right, that's fine. I'll put I'll put that down as a loss for Missouri. Dude, are you even a Mizzou fan? Apparently not. Wow. Apparently not. They might lose a game or two this year. I've got them down for their third loss of the Good season there. Lord. You've got them bouncing back after uh, losing at home to LSU. Uh, I've got a two-game losing streak there. But then we get South Carolina at home. Uh, Missouri made easy work of South Carolina on the road last year. One of the most fun games on Missouri's schedule last year. South Carolina did finish the season eight and five, four and four in SEC play. They beat Tennessee and Clemson. Basically knocked both Tennessee and Clemson out of the college football playoff in back to back weeks and lost to Vanderbilt earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got destroyed by Mizzou. We definitely we definitely talked about South Carolina last year, even before the season started, about one of the most volatile teams in the SEC, if not the country, just uh they just have that kind of unravel factor where it's like if something goes wrong they're just they're not going to bounce back they just they've got a lot of talent they've got spencer rattler who's a former like five-star quarterback like he's very talented um and south carolina fans are very confident about this season uh, you know i've uh i would say too confident we've kind of made some friends with some of the south carolina media guys and so i follow some of those guys on twitter and you know just kind of feeling out the sentiment from south carolina they're they are confident and you know they've got the talent to to be there you know th- let's see i i wrote how much they return if i can find it how much production they return uh they returned 55 percent of their total production from last year so i don't know that's not terribly bullish honestly in my mind that's probably like in the triple digits as far as like rank ranking goes yeah. so but they do return probably their most important piece in rattler so and when You've got him, you know, anything can happen. I don't think they're going to – I don't think that – I would not predict South Carolina to win eight games this season, but they could beat anybody, and that's just how it's going to be, I think. Yeah. Well, that, that was the their story last year, basically. Um, yeah, Rattler returns, 3,000-yard passer last year, only 18 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. Hope that continues. Basically, all of their running backs transferred, uh, but they do bring back wide receiver – uh Antoine Wells who caught 68 passes for 928 yards and six touchdowns so they've got to really be hoping that that connection there continues and 
improves even. But it does feel like South Carolina always just has some like stud wide receiver. Like, well, I can't believe we're having two Debo Samuel mentions in the one in the same episode. But I know you love like Shy Smith and yeah. I mean Pharaoh Cooper. They just have these random, just really like one really good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but between Rattlers throwing twelve interceptions and also being sacked thirty one times last year, and some of those are on him because he holds onto the ball too long, runs into sacks. But the offensive line wasn't great either. Um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't get the optimism. Honestly, I don't know if like the stuff coming out of camp is like Rattler has elevated his game significantly or something. But I think that's what you hear about any football team ever, really. I guess so. Return, best, especially returning starting quarterback. Best shape of his life. Yeah, makes uh, sense. Yeah, I I think maybe this is almost like a little bit of bias in the other way. You know, I'm maybe like more scared of Kansas State than I realistically should be. I might be a little bit too confident here just based on how this game has gone the last few years against South Carolina, but I guess I'll just kind of use that same mantra. Like, it, it, I'm in, until I see it, yeah. I don't think Missouri loses this game. I'm with you. I'm too confident. Mark it down as a win. Easy. Uh, defense last year for South Carolina uh, wasn't anything special, and they lost four of their top five linebackers from last year. They're having to reload at some important positions. Uh, I like... Missouri's offense at home to move the ball pretty well and get the win there. And we're going to need it because then we travel to number one, Georgia, who uh, this is, we're not going to talk about Georgia very long because (laughs) what's there to say? One one of the best teams ever last year, national champions, back-to-back years, undefeated last year. They won the national championship game by like literally eight touchdowns. And that uh, semifinal game against Ohio State, that was the, the game of the year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, undefeated season, national champions, Heisman finalists. They did everything. However, they lose OC Todd Monken to Baltimore Ravens. They, guess who's their new offensive coordinator? You're going to love this. I think I actually uh, might know this. Go for it. But uh, I can't remember. Mike, Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo. I knew it. I was too afraid to say it. One of our Mike, favorite characters here. Mike Obo. Yeah. Mike Bobo is the offensive coordinator. How did he get that job? Uh, the, I guess He's incredible. They, he has a history with them, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, but the fans are thinking nothing changes. We're still running Todd Monk and system. Mike Bobo, just keep it, keep it rolling. Yeah. Okay, don't try to change anything. Yeah. Stetson Bennett is gone. Uh, they bring in quarterback Carson Beck, who's been in the program a while. And he has the benefit of having, you know, all the best players in the country ever from all the best recruiting classes ever around him, including Heisman contender Brock Bowers at tight end. And Dominic Lovett. Oh, and Dominic Lovett. And their defense is going to be incredible. Missouri's probably going to lose this game. You got that as a loss? Yeah. It will be interesting just to see if they can if they can keep it up at all. Who knows? They've yeah. got to replace some pretty big... On both sides of the ball, they have to replace some huge contributors, but... It's, recruiting doesn't always transfer over, but it and usually does. Sometimes there is like a year gap yeah. where it's like we catch up a little bit. These incredible recruits, you know, are we're veterans and we went on this incredible run. That's going to happen again, but there's going to be one year or two in between. Yeah, eh, that's, still you still have to have a competent quarterback to have to win a national championship usually. So I don't know. It could be a little a little bit interesting of a year for Georgia, but this is still a loss for sure. Okay, three games left on the schedule. I have Missouri at one, two, three, four, 
five and four. Oh, is that I right? Him, I got him at six and three. Yikes. Okay, I've got him going on a run here. Um, so we come back home and play right now, ranked number 12, Tennessee Volunteers. Now, Tennessee, 11 and two last year, dream season, should have beat uh, South Carolina and gone to the uh, college football playoff, but they got destroyed by South Carolina. Just completely laid an egg. Uh, Josh, Josh Heupel is their head coach. You've heard of him. Best offensive college football last year. Uh, they do lose their offensive coordinator. He's now the head coach at UCF. Um, they promoted their quarterback coach to OC, but this is Josh Heupel's system. Um, it all runs through him, so it doesn't matter a whole lot who the offensive coordinator is. They lose Hendon Hooker. They lose their top two wide receivers, but they bring in Joe Milton. They reload with plenty of talent at wide receiver. Most of what was already a pretty solid offensive line returns. Running backs Jalen Wright and Jabari Small also return. But this all hinges on can Joe Milton be as efficient as Hendon Hooker was last year? Because we've seen Josh Heupel offenses with quarterbacks with big arms, Drew Locke, who perhaps weren't as efficient as they needed to be in you know, there were times even in some of those high-powered Drew Locke, Josh Heupel offenses where if they weren't scoring touchdowns, they were off the field in 30 seconds. Yeah. And so... Good way to wear down a defense. Was Hendon Hooker the guy that was making that happen? You know, being able to extend plays with his legs and just being incredibly efficient? Uh, and if you plug in Joe Milton, who is an excellent athlete yeah. and a cannon of an arm but can he be as efficient? Yeah, Milton is kind of a little bit different from Hooker as a prospect. That's from like an NFL perspective. He's way more athletic. Mm -hmm. He's maybe almost more kind of like an Anthony Richardson build, a problem, maybe a better arm, honestly, a little bit better thrower, probably not as athletic. Yeah, but Anthony Richardson light almost. Maybe, yeah. but he's a lot more athletic than Hendon Hooker was. But, you know, I think it's possible that we're looking at him as a pro prospect after the season as a guy who maybe wasn't a super great college college player but just has the potential to to be great and so he's drafted highly but here's a hot take man i i think tennessee takes a step back this year and i think they finish the season outside of the top 25 let's go i think it's time for josh heupel's mickey mouse gimmicky offense to finally just go off the road into a ditch on the side of the road. And I think Missouri's going to win this game. I'm with you. Let's go. Missouri win this game. Uh, Joe Milton, he doesn't have, I'm predicting, he does not have this like sixth sense that Hendon Hooker had where he could just get himself out of a bad spot and turn it into a big play. That's it's, like going to be super raw. That's not something that every quarterback just naturally has the ability to do. Like we just talked about Spencer Rattler. He's a guy that has all the physical ability to play the quarterback position, but puts himself in. He makes bad spots worse by running into a sack, throwing the ball into an interception. And Hendon Hooker did the opposite of that almost every single game. Yeah, Hooker is very smart. Always making player. the right play. Yeah. Even when things started to get, uh, even when things would break down a little bit. Yeah, they also lost Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, who are two like all SEC wide receivers who are both on NFL teams now. I think they just, I think they're really going to 
take a little step back. You know, have we seen Josh a Josh Heupel offense without like NFL talent? I mean, the dude has been really fortunate. Yeah, everywhere he's gone, he's gotten to play with some really really good college players, especially at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, watch out for slot wide receiver Squirrel White. Is he a starter? Or like, will he will he play? I think he will. Yeah. Or okay. I didn't, know if he was just, that, I didn't no. know if he was just like all name team or definitely that definitely. but i think he will contribute okay i can't wait he's not at the top of their wide receiver list but he'll be in, he'll be on the field um let's see defensive? i've got him at seven and three now missouri a- after that win yeah missouri yeah. the missouri offense is gonna have to show up though because yeah, yeah that, Ten- will, that tennessee will... will still score yeah but we Tennessee need them could to take, just not be as efficient as they can be. They could take a huge step back, and that will still be a tough game. Yeah. All right. I have what you got them where? Seven and three. Seven and three. So I've got them at six and four. With maybe a little bit of a generous pick against Kentucky. Sure. Sure. Well, I've been pretty uh, pessimistic. I'm losing the games they're supposed to lose until this uh, Tennessee game on paper as of right now. Yeah. Um, Subject to change. Yes, exactly. Uh, then we go back home, or we stay home and play Florida. And this, my friends, is what you call an opportunity, I think. Florida, last year, 6-7 and seven on the season, 3-5 and five in SEC play. A pretty crazy up-and-down season in the first year for Billy Napier there. Um, and a lot of that was because of who his quarterback was. Anthony Richardson could make the unbelievable play from time to time, but then also be a detriment to the offense at times. Like they struggled, they seemingly struggled to like get his skills to just be consistent throughout the course of the offense. And uh, he would make big plays, but then also derail drives for them. Um, So I think they're going to look to be more balanced, more stable on offense. And uh, new quarterback transfer Graham Mertz from Wisconsin not impressed by his numbers really I think he, is he a kansas city guy i can't remember he uh i'm very familiar name from recruiting way back in the day i think he is kind of a local guy who went to wisconsin i'll try first. To that out. but yeah i mean florida's gonna have to i mean they have a little bit of a reset here and they're returning 55 percent, 54 percent of their production from last year from a team that was pretty suspect you're exactly right, though. Uh, Blue Valley North, Mission, Kansas. Yeah, always kind of seemed like he's kind of a kind of a pocket passer, pro style guy, and so and honestly, I think that bodes a little bit better than playing against a mobile quarterback. Yeah, um, in his career at Wisconsin, only completed fifty nine percent of his passes, uh, fifty four hundred yards, thirty eight touchdowns, twenty six interceptions. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really scare you, and never really hasn't lived up to the recruiting hype yet. I think they're going to try to run the ball, but he's not mobile, so they're going to be relying on two really, really good running backs, though, uh, Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Wisconsin's a tough place to be a quarterback, though. I think so. Like, it's going to be more fun to play quarterback for Florida than Wisconsin, I would I would think. I, typically, yes. This year, I don't know. I think Florida might struggle a little bit. Yeah. but And I think uh, part of this like narrative in my head around Florida is Billy Napier. I think he feels secure in getting another year yeah if he needs it so i think they're uh, they're not gonna be that good defense was really bad last year i think they're bad again yeah i Maybe. agree with you missouri win at home i think i'm gonna go win as well all right now i'm getting a little scared i've got them eight and three and i've got them seven and four 
traveling to Arkansas. Arkansas last year is the last game of the season. Arkansas seven and six, three and five in SEC play. They lose their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. They bring in uh, Dan Enos, OC from Maryland. Little reunion. Yeah. Uh, uh, but all you need to know about Arkansas is they bring back KJ Jefferson and Raheem Sanders. That's all they kind of needed to win seven games last year on offense. Their defense was a little suspect from time to time. And uh, I don't know. They they don't scare me too much. I mean, they got some impact transfers, including from Missouri, Trajan Jeffcoat. Yeah. What does Missouri's look, defense look like if he's on the end this year? Uh, slight bump. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think KJ Jefferson and... and Raheem, Rocket Sanders, for sure. They kind of give you, they give you a a high floor for sure. They're they're both really talented, explosive players. They're fun to watch. Um, they haven't really played well against Missouri. Um, actually, I almost feel like KJ Jefferson's best game against Missouri was like his first game a few years ago. Whenever we somebody was hurt and he mm-hmm. had to play mm-hmm. and played well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man. It, at playing at Arkansas makes this maybe a little bit more scary. Um, but I think it's going to be a close game, but Missouri just always wins. They always yeah. they always beat Arkansas. They always pull it out. That won't come back to haunt you at all. <laughs> uh, no, I like Missouri here too. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's... I hate to say it, but I mean, it's not going to be easy. No, definitely not easy. And I think KJ Jefferson is the type of quarterback you do not want to play against for a defense because he can turn something out of nothing it's always poised always composed so difficult to bring down yes like Uh, you're just watching the d-line surround him they have their hands on him and just he gets out of it yep so frustrating to play against yep he's uh very savvy picking up a first down with his legs when he needs to and uh with sanders in the backfield that one-two punch is going to be hard to contain sanders is like a tank of a running back as well like both of those guys are are just hard to tackle. Are crazy, yeah. Their defense, though, last year last in the SEC in yards allowed per game, and they gave up over thirty points per game. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely going to be the way that Missouri's going to have to exploit them. They did that last year, even against even with an offense that was as bad as Missouri's was. They looked pretty good against Arkansas. So that's going to have to be the key again. And let's just hope that whoever their new defensive coordinator is doesn't doesn't get things together for him i don't even know who the defensive coordinator is did you say who it was no. i literally don't even know i forgot it's not barry odom anymore. not barry odom uh give me a win for missouri yeah I, pencil it in as a win until it's not i yep, say i agree with you and now i've got them nine and three nine and three and i'm at eight and four so get off my back i was a little worried you know the listeners were mad at me there for a while but get off his back i got him to eight <laughs> wins hypothetical guys back I'm feeling the heat uh, when I had them starting five and four or whatever it was. But um, I've got three wins here to end the season. I've got them at eight and four. You've got nine and three. That would, we got to have. That would be special. Yeah. Nine and three. Mm, That's tasty. What's the floor? What's the ceiling? Looking through this, I mean, there is an outside chance that Missouri goes six and six yet again. And I want to set that as the floor because I feel like that's the worst thing that can happen. And yes, Coach Drinkwitz, return. 
for another season. Yeah, just kind of in that ambiguous, like, what are we doing? But stage another top 30 recruiting class with a assuming they potentially two five star guys. Assuming they hang on if uh, if yeah. Missouri's not playing super well. Yeah, but I, I don't think really we really hope we're not in that I think position, we, man. I really do feel like six and six is the floor. Earlier in this offseason, I think I said five wins was the floor, but I feel like it's six, and I feel like seven should be an okay season. You know, improving by one game is not the end of the world, although I think everybody would be pretty disappointed in only seven wins. So I'm talking myself further and further to eight wins being almost expected. And the vibe I'm getting from Mizzou fans and media that are a little bit more tuned in to Mizzou this year, plenty of people are picking them uh, around the eight-win mark. And it feels like the... I haven't seen anybody saying five wins, right? No. Everybody's on six, seven, or eight, I and feel like. If we just had a more secure quarterback that whose name people knew, I think that we would probably be... Um, even a little bit more popular, but do you know what the Vegas over-under is? I don't know. Their win total? I don't know. Um, They're usually pretty good guessers. They're probably, what, like six and a half, I would guess, or something like that. That sounds about right. Uh, six and a half. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Six and a half, so seven would be beating Vegas, seven wins, but I feel like the general feeling I get is that eight wins is where we yeah. want to be. For sure. Yeah, eight wins. We're not we're one hundred percent out of feeling like that ambiguous stage where where we've made progress. Turn the corner. There's no hot seat conversation whatsoever. Uh we're most likely hanging on to our five stars. Five stars Let's recruits. See oh yeah. And uh all it would be great. And hopefully uh we're we're riding off into the sunset with maybe even Sam Horn leading us there. Right. That's and, like best case scenario. Yes. Uh, and you talked about quarterback position. If Missouri's sketchy quarterback play was not the thing that has been pointed to the last couple seasons as one of the main issues, then I think everybody's talking about them winning eight games. It's because it's such a vital position that is still a bit of a question mark. And all we can do is hope that both quarterbacks, Horn and Cook, have taken at least some kind of step forward to the point where they're competing with each other and that it's not just a repeat of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one interesting thing that I've read consistently this offseason from some of the interviews that I've read from some of the transfers coming in is they, ha- I mean, across the board, they have talked about the mindset that the current Missouri players have, kind of the players that have already been here, they seem really locked in. They know exactly what they need to do on a day-to-day basis. They they're, they care about their workouts, They you know, whatever. They're saying the things that make me think that discipline that we haven't seen could be there. And if it is there, then I think eight wins is, is a lock. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. And yeah, everything we're hearing out of camps and stuff is is pointing at exactly that. I circled four games, Kansas State, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas. Those four, I think, are the ones we're going to be talking about at the end of the season as, wow, we did it. We won three of those games. 
or nope we're not quite there yet because we lost three of those games. It is a little scary that that may honestly just be what it comes down to is you've got three or four games that are just total toss-ups and you have to win uh, you have to win the majority of them to have a special season and you kind of saw it last year where Missouri very well I'm mean, just very easily could have been an 8 to, eight win team literal bounces away yes. from eight wins. Yep. So the margin for error is so incredibly small. I'm so excited, though. Let's get it going. We're so close. Oh, it just feels like they're right there taking the step to eight, nine wins. Could be a fun one. One week from right now. Mm. It starts. Uh, That's it, I guess. Let us know what you think. Too pessimistic, too optimistic? I feel like we're right on the mark there. Eight, nine wins. That's, That's the zone. Um, public apology to John Wolfert. Is that his name? Oh my God. Did I mess it up again? Yeah, you're doing a bit. Jeff Wolfert. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's close it out here. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters of the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, and Louis Hernandez. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We love you very much. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in just a few days. Games on Thursday. Thursday.